Father, thank you so much for uh, who Kate is, for the way you've made her, created her, uh, for what she knows of you, for what she understands. Thank you for the insights you've given her mind, her heart, into your mind and your heart, for her and for us and for your world. We thank you, Lord, that she has insight into the promise of your blessing for us. And we pray you would release her to speak to us, to teach us, to inspire us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Now, I'm not really very good at standing still, so I am going to come down to this level. Is that all right? Can you all still see me? Is that okay? Fantastic. Well, um, it's amazing to be able to come here and speak on blessing. And I was, Tim kind of beat me to it slightly, but one of our biggest blessings is praying with Tim and Joe. So we just want to say you are so blessed. Do you know how blessed you are to have Tim and Joe? As, yes, absolutely. What, what amazing people that they are. Now, the focus of this book that I've written, and it has been the most extraordinary privilege to be able to spend time thinking on God's heart to bless us, is a blessing that's given in the Old Testament thousands of years ago. And some of you, it might be familiar to some of you, but maybe we could just have it up on the screen, could we? I think it should be there in the first PowerPoint, hopefully. No, no PowerPoints? Got the slides? While we have a slight hiatus finding the slides, um, that's not it. Um, this amazing, hooray, there it is. This amazing blessing was um, given directly by God to his people. So there are loads of blessings in the Bible, lots of them in there. This is the only one in the Old Testament that's directly given by God himself. So we get a kind of glimpse of God's heart in it. And I thought we'd start this morning just by praying it over each other. It's such a special thing that you're together as a church community. So just really quickly, and I know it's very dangerous to let people talk to each other, just make sure you know the name of somebody near you. Could you just do that really quickly? That you know the name of the person next to you. I'm not giving you long to do this, just shouldn't take you long. Okay. So you've got that person in your mind, and we're going to just, I'm not going to read it to you as a reading, we're going to pray it as a prayer, and you're going to particularly bear in mind that person who's just near you. Can we do that together? Yeah? yeah? So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Now that is a glimmer of the heart of God for you. And one of the things that really excited me in writing the book was seeing how every bit of that is fulfilled in Jesus. But we're not going to kind of go there today. But should we just pray? Lord Jesus, you're so present here. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your love. We thank you that your word says that your eyes are on those whose hope is in your unfailing love. And Lord Jesus, we place our hope again in you. We thank you that you are singing songs of deliverance over your people. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear them today. Amen. Now, one of the things about a blessing like this, which I think will probably be familiar to some of you, I grew up in a church, so I heard this 
week after week after week. But you can hear somebody say to you, God wants to bless you, but you don't necessarily hear it. You don't actually take it in. Because um, my dad was actually a vicar, I used to sit in church week after week, and I would hear him read out the bands. Now, if you're not part of an Anglican church you, you know, before, you might not know what this is, but basically the vicar, Tim, has a legal obligation to make sure that the people he's marrying aren't bigamists. So he reads out this thing week after week, and I would hear my dad say, if anyone here knows cause or just impediment why these two persons should not be lawfully joined together in matrimony, you shall declare it now. And I would sit there and think, why is it that nobody ever knows this guy just impediment? Where is he? Now, you know, you can hear it, but you don't actually hear it. And I think many of us kind of know God wants to bless us, but do we actually have a clue how much God wants to bless you, how much he loves you? So I really have grown to love this blessing. I love that line, may the Lord make his face shine upon you, because it's a line that speaks of the smile of God. That's what commentators actually believe that it says. Just wave a hand if you have ever had a bad passport photo. (laughs) In fact, you could wave a hand if you've ever had a good passport photo. Uh, uh, My um, husband, Trevor, is a lovely man, and he has a lovely smile. When he smiles, you know, he's got lots of nice little smile lines. It has been said of him that when his face is in repose, it can look quite severe. And he has a passport photo photo that I really wonder why we are allowed back in the country. (laughs) Because he really looks so severe. Because for all of us, when we smile, our faces light up. And I wonder if you have a glimmer of God's delight that you are here this morning, that you should come to seek his face. We had the privilege of seeing some of the photos from uh, Tim and Joe's daughter's Bex's wedding. And in particular, there's one when Tim sees Bex walk down the stairs. And I have to say, I got quite, quite teary just looking at his face when he first saw his daughter in her beautiful bridal wear. But you see, we are clothed in righteousness by God. And when he looks on you, he is so full of joy. Uh, We have a dear friend called Niku who's just had his second baby, and he just takes so many pictures of his children. It's It's a bit over the top. But next to them, he just puts hashtag love this one. And, and you have a hashtag, love this one, just written over your life. I wonder if you know it. How can we trust how much God wants to bless us when life can be quite tough? And that's one of the issues I look at a bit in my book, because actually, you know, we hear God so wants to bless us, but sometimes life isn't quite like that. Honestly, I've had a bit of a stressy week. Trevor knocked somebody off a bicycle. She was okay, but it was very stressful. And life brings difficult things. How does it fit? But you see, the Bible is really real. I love it. And it doesn't pretend that you and I are in heaven yet. It's really honest that we are in a broken world. 
It's a world that rejected the rule of its maker. And Jesus said, Satan is prince of this world. And we see the rule of evil all over the place. We see it in bombs at Parsons Green Station. We see it in the news in that massacre. Some of those things that Tim talked about. But it's into this dark world of ours that God came to shine his light in Jesus. And he is here now to shine it through you and I. He hasn't given up on us. And the wonderful news about this is that God comes to us exactly where we are in our brokenness and struggles. And I don't know if you've grasped, but that's really the heart of the gospel. And that blessing was first given to God's people just after they'd escaped from slavery. But they weren't yet in the promised land. They were still in the middle of the desert. They've still got the whip marks on their back. And they needed this promise to make the journey. They needed this promise of blessing. And you see, we're like that. We are out, if you like, of slavery. God set us free from slavery to sin, but we're not yet in the promised land. And we need to be those who live in the light of his shining face, so sure of his promise to bless us. And what changes everything is that Jesus comes to help us. And I want to read you a story about how he did exactly this. And it's in Mark chapter 6, if you want to turn to it on your phones or Bibles or whatever you choose to use. Jesus made, it's at the end of Mark 6, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he went up onto the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out at sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about 3 a.m., he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by to show them that he was nearby, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost and cried out, terrified. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, "'Take heart, it's me.'" Don't be afraid. It changes everything in a world where there are struggles and pains when we know that Jesus sees us and he comes to help us. He sees when it's tough for us. We're told Jesus saw they were making headway painfully. And I don't know, maybe there are some here who feel like in life you're actually making headway a bit painfully. Just raise a hand if you're a rower or you've rowed. Are there any rowers? Yeah, actually quite a few rowers. And I, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you have really felt you were making headway painfully when the current's against you, the wind is against you. In the Greek, it actually says they were literally distressed in the rowing. And they were mostly fishermen. You know, they were used to pretty tough conditions, but they were losing heart. So, big question, why were Jesus' disciples, who are supposed to be the blessed ones, making headway painfully? Have they got it wrong? It doesn't look like God's face is shining on them. No, they hadn't gone the wrong way. In verse 45, it says Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. They were exactly 
where they were supposed to be, and it was still tough. And, you know, you might be kind of listening to this and going, well, this, this doesn't quite sound so much like the promise of blessing. It sounds a bit more like the promise of trouble. But actually, Jesus did promise trouble. Sorry to break that to you. In John 16, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he didn't finish there. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And we have this invitation this morning to spend a life trusting that God's blessing is always greater than anything that life will throw at you. And it is really important that you have a theology that includes the reality of suffering. Because if you think that the life of blessing is a trouble-free life, you will be wiped out very quickly. First problem comes, and if we start to believe that that means that God's face has stopped shining on us, that he doesn't care, then we will be in trouble. Because actually, when trouble comes, is when we need him the most. I had somebody say to me a couple of weeks ago, that, uh, sorry, it was longer ago than that, I had somebody say to me in our church that um, she was thinking of giving up on faith because her daughter hadn't got the right A-levels. And I thought, you've, you've missed, you've missed it. You've missed it. Do you know, last year, Open Doors, the charity, estimated that there are 215 million Christians facing extreme persecution. 90,000 at least died for their faith just last year. I heard a, a woman speak who, whose husband and son were murdered by Boko Haram, a Nigerian lady called Comfort. But you know, she hadn't made the mistake of thinking that her troubles meant that God had abandoned her. Instead, she just went running to him and she so shone with Jesus, so shone with the light of his shining face, and she led her captors to Christ. Now, maybe this morning your life is fantastic, and I really hope so, but if it is tough, don't think that God is not out to bless you. You see, our problem is that very often we have a really low expectation of trouble and we have an even lower expectation of blessing. And God is saying to you, you need to have a high expectation of trouble in your life, but an even higher expectation of the God of love and blessing who wants to make his face shine upon you. Because the promise of blessing is not a five-star hotel. If you look at just about every great biblical hero, the promise of blessing to them is followed by massive challenges. Moses is promised deliverance, he gets a desert. Joseph's dreams take him to a dungeon. David is promised a crown, and he ends up on the wrong side of a manhunt. And I could go on and on. It is one of Satan's biggest lies that when things are difficult, that means that God doesn't love me. And I still get tempted by that, honestly. But I love the words of Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered by Alka Indians. And she said this, we need to look at our circumstances through the window of God's love, not at God's love through the window of our circumstances. 
And if you really get that, it will change how you live. And then we become people who dare to admit when it's difficult. You know, because God wants us to be able to admit it. And I think sometimes we get a bit scared about um, being honest about our struggles, as if that means that we're questioning God's love. But, you know, Paul, he's kind of quite a top Christian, described himself as hard-pressed and perplexed. God wants us to share with him and each other. And I love the sense of family and community here. And I think what God is wanting to build is something that's so authentic and real, where we bear each other's burdens and dare to share our hearts. And that's so countercultural because we're in a culture where image impression management is just massive, isn't it? You go turn on Facebook, and everybody's trying to sort of set up an image of their lives and their friendships, and it's absolutely exhausting. Apparently, last year, the, the annual makeup industry was worth £445 billion. <laughs> but, you know, we don't have to be projecting a perfect image with ourselves, you know, with each other, or especially at church. And God so wants you to dare to be real with him about the stuff in your life that struggles and, and that is difficult. And I would almost guarantee, in fact, I'm going to ask you, how many of you here has it been your time of struggles that you've had the most profound encounters with God? Just raise a hand if that's true. Yeah, it's a, a lot of people. And I think as we go through the Christian life, it's often at those places where we wrestle with God that we meet him so deeply. Because God's promise is that even those things that Satan intended for evil, he can turn to good. We have a ministry in our church to vulnerable mums. And I was praying with one woman who um, had became a Christian on our Alpha course and she grew up in a home where there was just loads of addiction issues and um, she had her first baby at 16 and her mum was an addict and so she was pretty much a feral teenager and she ended up um, out on the streets aged 14 and much like the Rochdale case she was groomed by a gang and very seriously abused and um, I, I just you look at her life and you think did God intend that? Never, never. But she has come to know him, and she is now working in schools, helping teenagers with self-esteem, and very much involved with those who are, have been through the sort of things that she has been through. So as John Wimber says, without God, we become bitter, but with him, we become extraordinarily better. We're no longer victims, but with Christ, we overcome the world. And I love it that, that at the end of this story, we find that it ends with blessing. They're in the midst of struggle, but Jesus saw them making headway painfully. And wherever you are today, and I suspect that in the room this size, there will be people with struggles, and some of you will know people who are going through very difficult things. Whatever your troubles, God has not turned his back. God saw you before the creation of the world, and he came to rescue you. 
He cares so deeply about your sorrows. Jesus sees you. He doesn't cross his arms and go, go on, just row harder. Jesus walked across the water to his troubled disciples. And you know, he was really human. He'd had a long day of ministry. And and that day, his beloved cousin John had been murdered. It was 3 a.m., it was dark, it was cold, but he loved them. So he came, and he came all the way from the cross, all the way from heaven to the cross for you, all the way to rescue you. And he came to rescue us from the greatest trouble of all, the sin that divides us from him. And that's the only thing that can get in the way of his shining face is that great dark cloud of sin that is described in Isaiah when God says, your sins have hidden my face from you. But God so wanted to make his face shine on you that he took that cloud of sin on the cross, every dark thought, every twisted act, because he loves you so dearly. And you know, if you have never asked him into your life, if you have never surrendered your life to this wonderful saviour, don't wait. I'd love you to take that opportunity today to say to him, Jesus, I trust you that you take that dark cloud of sin so that I can know your face shining on me. But to all of us this morning, he's saying, take heart. It's me, I'm here. Don't be afraid. Trust me. And you know, the disciples didn't recognize him at first. And maybe it was the, you know, the waves in their eyes. Maybe they were just tired. We're often so slow to recognize Jesus. But still he didn't walk on. And he says, take heart. It's me. I'm here. And that is what changes everything, even the worst of struggles and troubles, that when we discover we have the presence of Jesus, because that's the blessing, when we find that God's face is shining on us. And I really believe today he's wanting to speak over you. I'm here, take heart, I'm with you, and I am for you. And when that happens, when we live as those who are living under the light of God's shining face, can I tell you what happens? God's face begins to reflect off us to the world because that's the plan. That's what happened to Moses. He gazed on the face of Jesus and he came down with his face shining. And we're called to be those who arise and shine. Let's have that next PowerPoint. We're called to be those who live day after day in the light of the face of God. The glory of God in the face of Christ is the treasure that Jesus places in these very clay jars that are us. And I really believe for some of you here, you know God is propelling you out to be a light in the world, that you're burning to make a difference in a dark culture that there are some of you here, you already sense God's calling. And I don't mean you're called to be vicars, because it would be dreadful if everybody was a vicar. But you're called to be those who shine with Jesus in your workplace, who come and bring the compassion of Christ into a world that so needs it. 
God saying to us, arise, shine, your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Let's pray together. I'm just going to give an opportunity to anybody here who knows you've never yielded your life to this Jesus. And I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to echo it in your heart. I'd love it if you'd come and talk to one of the team here or to me at the end if you do that. But we're just going to together just bring our lives before the shining face of God. Father, thank you that you came in Christ, that you didn't leave us in the darkness. And I am so sorry for all those things that have separated me from you. For every time I've pushed you out. Please forgive me. And I thank you that you took the darkness of sin upon the cross. Thank you that you take my sins as far as the east is from the west. That I might live life in the light of your shining face. Amen. And I just believe that there's a, a couple of other, um, a couple of other people who, um, of other folk who would want to respond to God this morning. And you might want to come forward for some prayer. I think, is there going to be a prayer ministry team, Lydia? Um, and for some here, it's God knows the troubles of your heart. I think there's specifically been some people really struggling with anxiety. But God is wanting to speak over you. Take heart. And I really believe as we sing this next song that it is a time for you to be opening your heart to the Lord. And he's going to be strengthening hearts in this room. He's strengthening the heart of this church in this joint time together, that you would be a church that shines with the glory of God. And should we just stand and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and strengthen our hearts. Wonderful. Um